foundation of wrestling.eventbrite.com standalone wrestling it's going to be coming to norwich connecticut definitely looking forward to debuting in connecticut it's our first time up there there's a kalisto meet and greet which you get to meet him and you get a front row that's 50 there's a front row for 30 and there's also a vip white glove upgrade which is a picture in the ring with our ring announcer and one standalone roster account which is 35 so we have all different prices and then we go down to a 20 dollar ga as well so again there's something for everybody as far as the price structure goes to work with a group called vet ticks where we give free tickets away to the vets and their families connecticut will be one well if you want to laugh you know the, the person who's in that family that likes comedy stuff is going to like that if you want to see john wayne murdoch and like some hardcore spots and you're into that type of thing you're going to get that you know if you want to see women's wrestling you're going to get some of that you know so a, a great mixture of you know seven to nine matches to give a value for everybody and then to also give them something that they want to come back and see again anybody that's in the connecticut area watching this go out and support this $20 GA ticket, $30 front row ticket, and you also have VIP upgrades. Check out the website. Check out the interview. Davey Richards. I see TJ Perkins, Marco Stunt. But you also have guys like Bob Backlund who's going to be there. If you're anywhere near the Norwich area on May 21st, you're going to want to check that out. Standalone Wrestling. Some one hell of a card. Marco Stunt on the card. You have Nyla Rose, John Silver. You've got Kalisto for the meet and greet. Kalisto. If you don't think kids are going to want to see this masked wrestler, get your your tickets early get the vip package get your photo your autographs line it up and let's knock this out of the park at pistol pizza norway 50 vip 30 front row 20 general admission check them out at foundation of wrestling.eventbrite.com or check out our recent interview with chad menace and go to that pistol pete show because if we don't pack out pistol pete's the chances of him coming back to this area very low and especially look at the quality of that card you got tjp matt Matt Tremont, John Wayne Murdoch, one of the up-and-comers on IWTV. And this is going to be an IWTV pay-per-view. The Pro Wrestling Vault. 35 short stories including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you. Because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. It's the Working Fans Podcast, and we're going to get right into it this week. AEW Dynamite Review, Dustin Rhodes, CM Punk started off this show. What did you think about this one? I love it. Two guys that can still go, and Punk the Jr. here. Dustin Rhodes has been doing this for five decades. Not 50 years. He's been doing it for just over 40 years, but five decades he's been doing this. Absolutely insane the level that he actually maintains. It's incredible. Yeah, it's 
ridiculous. Great classic match. I think it was Brian Alvarez or somebody I heard recently that Punk's new gimmick is he's a pro wrestler. He basically comes out, he has pro wrestling matches, he works body parts, he sells, and it seems to be working for him. I enjoy it. That's weird because there seems to be another group that we'll be talking about very shortly that does the same thing. We're about to get to that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was actually one of the highlights for me of the week, even though it was just a simple match that I knew the ending to, which says something. If you know the ending to the match, you still love it as much. But the Blackpool Combat Club versus Brock Anderson, Lee Moriarty, and Dante Martin. Great group of guys for the Combat Club to go against, especially Lee and Brock. I like Dante, and he really stood out here because of the flying. But I love that Brock is just that old school, just like his dad. And then you got Lee, who has like all these great technical moves himself. Fun match. They did a great job of showing how you get somebody over in what was still basically a little bit of a squash match, but they demonstrated how to get the other team over and make them look good because they did take a little bit of offense from Brock. They did take a little bit of offense from Lee Moriarty, who they made look like a monster with his kicks and with his uh, offense. And then they did take a little bit of the aerial from Dante. So to end, they got themselves over at the same time. Willer Yuta continues to actually be a driving force. Yeah, he looked good. Also, always great to have William Regal on commentary. It's one of my favorite things every week they're doing now. Love William Regal when he talks about He's like, yeah, me and Iron are very close. I have a great understanding of Iron. Helps to prepare a match. I know everything Iron would done is literally all right. Yeah, you broke up a little bit. That's fine. We will move on to we the have next a bit one. Of Regal. We know what's up. You love Regal. I love Regal. Yeah, yeah but did, did you hear what I said about Arn Anderson? <laughs> no, and you broke up again. So let's try it one more time then. <laughs> Did you hear what I said about Iron Anderson? No. Uh, so Iron Anderson, I just said William Regal, one of my favorite parts of his commentary was saying, I'm very close with Iron Anderson. I know what Iron would do in a match and Brock oh. is literally doing the same thing. So it helped us to prepare for Brock. Absolutely. Absolutely. He also had the comment too that Iron and I hung out somewhere one time. I think my liver is wherever that place was he mentioned. Yes. Yeah, Flair probably was there too. <laughs> Wardlow versus the Butcher. This is great. Let's go back and beginning here a little bit too where Wardlow gets in the building. I feel we have to talk about this mark sterling uh, basically is great here at his role as the slimy attorney they're putting the cuffs on him and you know the uh, eat shit pig that whole thing how, how good yeah. is mark sterling he's fantastic i love him in the role he, he's good at getting heel heat but this i mean an, this is an hour first exposure to mark sterling obviously we've seen him on the independent seen him in beyond stuff like that but he continues to shine uh, he, he is just absolutely fantastic yeah I, I think he is fantastic and something else too i have to say is I thought the Butcher and some of the promos leading up to this, he showed a lot of potential too. Ultimately, this was a showcase for Wardlow and he delivered. And what I've noticed and is interesting about Wardlow is it's kind of like that powerbomb sympathy, symphony is over just as much as he is. I know you're looking forward to the powerbombs. They love it. We'll see what happens as this continues on, but I can't wait. And next week we get Lance Archer. Wardlow was successful here. What do you think of this match overall? And I got to think we're going to enjoy this ride here. I like it. I think think that Wardlow did a great job of still getting the Butcher over, even though it was obviously to get Wardlow over. The Butcher did still look like a badass. He just looked like Wardlow looked like more of a badass. I agree. Yeah, we'll see what happens okay. next week with Archer. I thought Jake the Snake was actually on his way to cutting a, one of his better promos in a while, and I don't know if he was about to stumble, but then Archer came in and just basically said, I don't need your money. <laughs> no, threw the money down, said, I just want to kick Wardlow's ass. Right, right, right. We then went on to Jungle Boy and Kyle Riley, great matchup. Me and you talked about this.
this. I saw your TikTok review too on this. I know we were both talking about how Jungle Boy has been built up a little better, and it was kind of a little mini upset here because of the way things have been going. But like I told you, like in the Road to series, they made it a point to mention Jungle Boy had gotten to win here. And let's be honest, Kyle O'Reilly, before, if we're not counting AEW, he was the bigger single star, right? He had some success as Ring of Honor World Champion, and you know he had some moments in NXT as well at main events. So I think that in retrospect, it's just nice to see that AEW is going to push O'Reilly in this tournament. I thought it was a good showcase. If anything, I thought the crowd wasn't as hot as I hoped, and maybe the styles didn't completely mesh, but I thought it was a solid match overall, and I'm happy to see O'Reilly advance. I really enjoyed that match. Obviously, you saw the video that I put out. I thought Kyle O'Reilly and Jungle Boy, they kept the theme of the night going, which was great matches. That's the third match in a row, which really delivered, and I thought that they did an excellent job with it. I agree. Eddie Kingston vowed to whoop Daniel Garcia's ass on Friday night at Rampage. Tell me you're not looking forward to that tonight. I'm very much looking forward to that. Then we had Hook in action, making his Dynamite debut. He beat over Anthony Henry. Solid independent star, but this was a showcase for Hook. And then we had, I see a smile, Dan Housen shows up and since he can't put a curse on him, he seems to be immune. And how about you fight Dan Housen? To which Hook looks like, are you kidding me? And basically, like, I'm going to kill you. Then we, yeah, we have a little stare off. So it looks Dan, like we're setting up a Dan Housen Dan, Hook. Dan Housen, look, Dan Housen looked like he regretted that the moment Hook was like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is not. I, I was kind of wondering if they team up together a little bit at some point, and maybe we do get that. I don't know. Hook <laughs> is definitely over as a babyface. I love the fact that they're not bringing him out with Taz because he is way too over as a babyface to be a part of that group. I agree. All right, let's get to the next segment here. <laughs> Sammy Guevara and Ty Conte with an interview. All right, we're not hiding. These people are heels now. They basically said that what for the people who cheered me. Thank you, but for the people who are booming, why? Because my girlfriend's hotter than you? <laughs> Turn heel, not on accident. No, 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 not at all. Now, what's interesting is, though, is that Scorpio Sky... Who, by the way, came out, we didn't mention this, came out here before this and asked Frankie Kazarian, who is a babyface, and Sky's still technically the heel, but he said, hey, is it all right if I get my title shot first? You know, we go way back. And, you know, usually babyface would probably be like, no, 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 no. But Frankie Kazarian's like, I'm loyal. I got your back. Sure. And we can do this afterwards. I thought it was more interesting. I like it. I think it. America's top team is turning face. I do think that's happening too. So anyway, yes, getting back to this now, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Ethan Page cuts a fiery, I thought, babyface promo here. Got stitches all up on on the top yeah. of his eye from the fight this last week. And these so. people are cheering Dan Lambert too now. Dan Lambert was a heel in this crowd and he's getting over the baby face. Dan Lambert has turned into that grandfather that you just find hysterical because you know he's going to talk about stuff that you shouldn't and he just says whatever he thinks. The only thing I would say about this interview was a little confusing was that they kind of just threw that ladder match out there real quick. That was really like kind of like yeah. after the right, so it's Scorpio Sky yeah, and Sammy only wrestle ladder matches now? Yeah, like his big feud. Those seem to be like in a ladder match. And then they said, we want that, but we want the mixed tag match too, which they said, you got it. Which we know is probably Paige Van Sant, but that was never mentioned either. So I thought this huh. felt a little rushed at the end. It definitely was. It felt a little rushed and it would have been one of the worst promos of the night just due to the fact of how rushed it was if we didn't get the promo we get later. <laughs> which I know we're coming to that right now. Britt Baker versus Dr. I'm sorry, Dr. Britt Baker versus Daniel Camel 
Kamala. Okay, match for what it was. Brick clearly the huge <laughs> over baby face. Daniel Kamala playing the heel like she knew she would. Nothing wrong with the match. Nothing wrong with the setup for the match. All of that was great. Yes. And then she gets the win, gets the past. I'm forgetting the gentleman's name. Some of the people from the Pittsburgh Steelers were there, though. Yeah, two of the Steelers. They tossed her the glove. She tapped her out. She gets the victory. And then she cuts a little promo here. And I'll let you take over. What do you think of this promo? It's not too often you see somebody blown up during a promo. That's con- Congratulations, Britt. Especially for being as in shape as she is to be blown up during a promo. I have to assume it's because of the emotions of being in front of her family and crowd with her parents there. Maybe she got a little emotional. But she was completely blown up from it. She says, oh, they're just glad to have me back because I cut the best promo in the women's division. Well, not tonight, hon. She did have a little comment, someone here. I don't remember what it was. Apparently, she took a dig at Tony Storm for the cake thing, the cake to the face from Charlotte. Yeah, she did. She took a shot at Tony Storm, said, hey, if you think that the cake thing was bad after we wrestle, you're going to quit another federation. Uh, okay. She's good with that. She's good with that. You got to give it to her. That was a good line, and that one line was fantastic, but the rest of it was pretty much crap. So then we go to the main event, Darby Allen versus Andrade, coffin match. And I have to say, because of the size Andrade's put on, it's really interesting to style these two when they wrestle now, because it really looks like Lex Luger throwing around Billy Kidman or something. Like, it's just... I it's not what I would have thought about it maybe a couple years ago. So the match itself was good. I enjoyed the match. I thought that they put on a, a hell of a show. Uh, like a car crash. Yeah, for a car crash, it was good. It was what it was supposed yeah. to be. However, the end is just ridiculous. First of all, Jose takes off his shirt, and he's a giant of a man when he takes his shirt off. Yeah. And uh, Darby just tosses him to the side. Then you've got Andrade, who is just pushed into the casket, and then he just shuts the lid. <laughs> you're telling me this guy who looks like Hulk Hogan, fully juiced to the gills in the 80s, can't prevent himself from having a cardboard lid shut on him by a man who's maybe 130 pounds. Yeah, I, I could agree. It was a little fight of an ending. Yeah, and I, and well, I like Darby. I'm, yeah, I'm I know a you fan do. of Darby. And there are ways that you could have made this more realistic. You could have hit him with God knows what. You could have done the coffin drop onto him into the coffin, something of that nature. But he literally just shoved him into the coffin and shut the lid. Yeah, he did. So, I don't know. This whole thing, one thing about this episode of Dynamite, as much as I enjoyed it, it felt a little rushed at times. The first hour was much better than the second hour it just it felt rushed like Excalibur had to do that like read too for like next week's show and it was like 11 12 different things between next week's show Rampage and that's still coming yeah. up it was incredible we haven't even talked about the big news no we'll get to that in a second but I, I was about to address this too so ad- address this too so Randy thank you for bringing up Sting going crazy again <laughs> it's amazing because there's this part of this match where Sting is draped over the barrier and he's about to take a chair shot and I'm looking not as a former wrestler, I'm just looking at him going, he's draped over the barrier. How does he take that bump? <laughs> you know, like, when they get, like, you know, you can't throw his hand up and no. he's not going to even be able to take a flat bump and maybe even miss it. Like, he has to just absorb this blow. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it as a former wrestler and going, wow, how's he going to take this? <laughs> yeah, just take it, apparently. And then he's going to no sell it. Yeah, we're looking at it the same way. But but remember, I wrestled when I was in my 20s. Sting is 63. Right. (laughs) And And what do we do after this? We do what we've been doing lately. We just dive off another balcony. <laughs> and wait, oh, oh, one more thing. 
Why are the Hardys there? Yeah. What do you mean, why weren't they, like, in, until and, the very end, right? I mean, at the end, why do they come out just to dance? What is the point of that? Yeah, right. They couldn't show up in the middle of the match where everybody was fighting. Or like that. Yeah, I didn't get that either. No, they come out at the end to dance and delete people. Yeah. My episode of Dynamite, for whatever, did the very end recorded, like, after the match. So I didn't see that, but I found out about that afterward, and I thought that was interesting, too. Like, Because there was still, like, two minutes left, and I'm like, did I miss anything? I was like, oh, the Hardys showed up, apparently. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll do a heel turn on Darby and Sting at some point and delete 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 but right now pointless yeah well like you said 63 year old sting though he's coming up as a big mvp continues to kill it i will give the credit to the people he's worked with so far like we've seen plenty of people miss dives over the years and not catch them everybody's been there on point with sting <laughs> well you have to otherwise he's going to join scott hall as another 63 year old dead guy yeah it won't be good so the big news obviously no matches announced for it yet but forbidden door paper View with New Japan. There is one match announced. What are you talking about? There's no matches announced. I actually meant to correct you on this. That match is tonight. That's Adam Cole versus yeah, that's on Rampage tonight. <laughs> Didn't that sound like it was on the show coming up with him and Ishii? Wow. Take a look here. No, uh, I, I I believe you. I just I just thought that they he had said that, that was going to be a match for that night. New Japan star returns to face former WWE star tonight. Yep. So it looks like we, yep, we got Ishii. It is a Rampage match. I'm getting it from producer Joe as well. I believe you guys. To me, that's just a match that you should have on that pay-per-view. Well, that's a, that's a huge match. Yeah. Well, hey, bigger, we're making Rampage must-see, baby. Because he did not know that, and I didn't read it either. So. Th- thank God it's back to the regular time slot, so maybe they'll get a couple hundred thousand more viewers. <laughs> we shall see. I'm excited. We got Ishii versus Cole tonight. You got Garcia versus Kingston. And, oh, oh yeah. There's another match. Jay Cargill versus Marina Shafir we're going to finally get. Ali Happen. All right, so since we haven't seen the spoilers, clearly, because you didn't know that was a match tonight, wow. pick some results here before we get to our top five of the week. Those three matches, Kingston Garcia. I think Kingston goes over, and he's going to beat the living hell out of Garcia because they said nobody else is allowed in the building. Oh, good point, good point. All right, well, we'll, we'll save the women's match for last. Ishii versus Cole. I'm going to go with Cole. Won't be shocked if Ishii wins. Every time he shows up and we think that, like, for another promotion, Ishii's one of those guys that New Japan seems to protect. I think Cole wins, and I think there's a good chance we'll see Switchblade tonight. Good point. Okay, here's the match we're most interested in, actually, which I can't believe we're saying, but we are. Jay Cargo versus Maria Shafir. Who you got? So here's the thing about this match, and I will pick a winner real quick, but they've done a good job of building it up because they have made it so that we are looking forward to this match. If this was just a match on any other Rampage, would we be looking forward to it this much? And good point, Randy Osga. Chris Jericho's on his Fozzie tour, so he definitely probably won't be there. But I am actually going to go, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, I'm going to go with Marina Shafir. I think she's going to pull the big show. Yeah. We talked about this. <laughs> well, fair. You, you you actually swung me. You you have me yeah. thinking that she might pull a SummerSlam big show against Brock and freaking... Survivor Series, but yes. Oh, Survivor it, Series, sorry. Yeah. So for those who don't know, I'll make this quick. So Survivor Series, basically for many years ago, Big Show had been jobbed out, but they were trying to build him up again, but he was taking on Brock Lesnar, heavyweight championship, and we all thought Brock would just beat him. And then, for whatever reason, Paul Heyman turned on Brock and helped Big Show get the win, and that's what we're thinking may happen here. We're wondering, Mark Sterling's been setting up little hints, like he respects Marina Shafir. He's a little fearful of her. And we've been hitting, too, that Jay Cargo's been kind of making little face moves here and there and she always tells like mark she's like shut up mark you know like and then cut the shit mark so 
it feels like that relationship, there's been seeds set for that to break up. I, I think point. Mark Sterling stays the heel with Marina Shafir, and I think Jade Cargill's turning face. I agree. With her, with her baddie section. I think that would be a crazy... By, by the way, Britt Baker, a heel, also took a shot at the baddie section last night, which also leads me to believe they could be going face. That's true, because Red Velvet's in that tournament as well, right? So that could set a match. All right, so a lot of reasons here. This is kind of something me and AJ talked about. I was I, I was telling about it, but I said, ah, I don't know, but I said, this was an idea. Yeah, Apparently, I told him. So I'm gonna sell. I'll sell myself, and I'll agree. We'll put this out in the universe, and we'll see what happens tonight. For all we know, it already did happen. We don't know. <laughs> We might be the only ones who don't know. Yeah, we didn't read the course, so. <laughs> Right now, something if, might if be... You do know, wow. do not put it, yeah, if, you do, if you do know, <laughs> do not put it in the comments, because do not spoil it for us. Yeah. Let's get to our top five of the week, and we'll finish up. So, for me, I got the Forbidden Door announcement. Sting, Blackpool Combat Club, Punk and Dustin. You can tie Wardlow with that. This is all AEW, folks. <laughs> and the announcement of Dax Harwood versus Cash Wheeler in the Owen Hart tournament next week. Dax Harwood, they're both big Hart Foundation fans, but Dax Harwood is like the biggest, biggest Bret Hart fan in the world, too. Oh, yeah. So, like, this is a great chance. I, I think they're going to put Dax over, but this is awesome to see what happens here. I have one different one than you. I don't have Sting in mind. Just to, they're starting to scare me with Sting, so he's not in mind. Roxy, Roxanne Perez debuting for NXT was a That's highlight a for me. She is fantastic. People forget how young she is. Absolutely incredible athlete and she was fantastic aj we got one question for you are you watching the tyson fury fight this weekend i don't think you will have time i will not have time those in the know know that i am going to be on a ship to a place called the bahamas <laughs> so i will not but i am looking forward to tomorrow night i am looking forward to the pay-per-view i will oh yeah yeah you'll be stopping off in poughkeepsie yeah since somebody brought up a boxing thing i'll ask you one non-related rest Related, wrestling related question. Did you see <laughs> what happened with Mike Tyson yesterday? Mike Tyson on a plane? Yes. Did you see this? The, the, <laughs> most, de the most deadliest thing to snakes on a plane, Mike Tyson on a plane. So for those who don't know, this guy was harassing Mike Tyson on a plane. <laughs> Which seems like a good idea. <laughs> in, a in a confined space, giving Mike Tyson a hard time seems like a good idea. Yep. And kind of fanboy. And then eventually, I read this somewhere on MMA, MMA Junkie, I believe. Apparently, he threw a water bottle at Mike Tyson, too. That was the final thing he did. And at that point, which I don't blame Mike Tyson in this one. You throw a water bottle at me on a plane, you're going to yeah. get punched in the face. Yes. And now they attended to this guy. Both of these people they attended to. Only one of them probably needed attention. <laughs> and the guy had non-life-threatening injuries, which tells me Mike didn't even. <laughs> like he couldn't yeah, yeah Mike, was, Mike wasn't trying to hurt him if he had non-life-threatening injuries. Right. He wanted to give him a couple hands. And the quote, Ice-T on Twitter, who had said something, this basically happens because motherfuckers think they're not going to get punched in the face anymore yeah. <laughs> there's a few times that's gonna happen yep, yeah tyson, I, I like that from cage my iq yeah. tyson was being very tame too 100 absolutely he could have killed this guy so that's, uh, yeah. uh, by the way mike tyson obviously very emotionally upset about it as pictures of him partying with rick flair were out on instagram yesterday so he very very much took it to heart and clearly very upset hey, i'm sure he's gonna bounce back just fine we love you mike <laughs> Alright folks, AJ's got a vacation he's got to get ready for, so we're going to head out of here. It's the work. I won't be here next week, but please tune in. Dave and producer Joe will take you home and rock and roll, and they will have a rock solid show, and then I'll be back the week after. Alright, thanks for tuning in guys. We're out. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. 
That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, it survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. This is Dave from the Working Fans Podcast. And today, we have professional wrestler Stefan Epic, who's making his return after, uh, well, he retired in 2018. And as we record this, he will be wrestling again in about two days. Yep. And so we'll talk about your journey and how you got into this crazy business first thanks for being here yeah of course man thanks for having me on i always like doing like video podcasts it feels so important <laughs> we used to do the phone interviews for a little while and once we finally started doing video it's like man we should have did this right off the get-go because it's yeah, like yeah. you step over each other sometimes more too you're like thinking is that person done talking yeah i totally get it man I, I've, I've hosted a podcast i do radio i do tv so i understand let's start off with wrestling sure. so you got in like 2002 what was your fandom first who were some of your favorites what got you into this so when i was a kid i was lucky enough to like i'm from winnipeg i live in winnipeg i grew up in winnipeg in the 90s we had an uh, an independent company called iwa it was run by tony candela who's a really famous wrestling promoter who does the northern death tours and things like that he had local tv so i was lucky enough to to be able to watch guys like chris jericho and lance storm and don Callis and bad news allen and they were just like around winnipeg just hanging out at like community centers and halls and just working independent shows so i had a lot of great stuff ultimo dragon was here for a while so like just hanging out in winnipeg and i was lucky enough to grow up during that era and when i got into wrestling a few years later those guys were obviously all doing bigger things but everybody who worked with them was still hanging out and you know in the scene so I, I got to learn from some some really great guys some really great veterans when i got in but as far as being a fan like i mentioned those names you know jericho storm don Callis, rick martell was here too but like it was always early 90s wwf like like people my age you know mid-30s it was like ultimate warrior hulk hogan macho man crush even to a point yeah. was my guy for a while we all have that guy i think that maybe it was like near the top of the card but you know i think that's why i became a huge Bret Hart fan because he was like in that middle, but somehow he ended up being world champion. You feel like that happens. You feel like that's your guy, like you're part of that yeah. team. Yeah, that's my guy for sure was crushed for a little while. Who helped with the training when you broke in? Okay, so first, the first time I trained was in 2001. And I, I trained with a guy named Robbie Royce. He's a local guy. You know, I, I, one of the first independent matches I saw in person was him and Steve Carino for the uh-huh. uh, NWA North American Championship. And Carino dropped the belt in Winnipeg only to win the NWA World Belt like a week later in florida so he was here to do a bit of business and he he was born in winnipeg raised here a bit so it was like his huge homecoming but royce was the guy i first got in there with i was 13 in 2001 and it was the first time i got in a ring and then about a year later i started training again with hotshot johnny divine from stampede wrestling from tna former x division champion and he ended up being like my primary trainer he ended up teaching me everything that i needed to know once i got into wrestling so he's the guy that i really i really credit and you know 
I'll still hold a relationship to this day because he's such a good guy and was such a good role model for me. He was part of that Team Canada initially too, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of talented people came from, like, I mean, you know, obviously everybody knows like, you know, the guys like Brett and Rick Martel and Edge, but like there's really just so many talented wrestlers that came through Canada. And like you said too, like even kind of being around, it sounds like there was an interesting blend of people that would come there through the independence. Like you'd get those guys like Rick Martel still in the business too. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Martel came in like in between, you know, he left WWF in what, like 93. Mm-hmm. Um, so like 94, 95, 96, he was working independence. A lot of that was in Manitoba. And then he made that WCW comeback in like 98. And that was, he was actually supposed to take Don Callis with him oh, yeah. to WCW. And it just never, it never happened. And then obviously Don Callis went on to win, to, to do other stuff, ECW and now AEW. But no, they were supposed to go together. So we have this incredible collection of talent here during the 1990s that like, if you look at the all-time roster of, of guys that were here, it's it's incredible. It's a who's who of like world champions, Hall of Famers. And they were just working small shows around here and in the surrounding towns. So there's a lot of great stuff going on here. And like, you know, as as we move forward, there was there's other guys like, you know, the, the people that always are always named from Winnipeg are, are Roddy Piper, Chris Jericho mm-hmm. and Kenny Omega and Callis too. But you know, those are the three big guys. So, so yeah, a lot of great talent from here. Specifically from yeah, Winnipeg too. Yeah. Very interesting. I think you were just saying in the beginning, you were, were you now, you, were you born in Manitoba too? Yeah. Yeah, I was born okay. here. Born and raised. Born and raised here, yeah. Started working here. Did you know, got, got some work elsewhere in Canada and the US and eventually went to Japan, but I'm sure we'll get to that. But yeah, uh, what's, what's it like growing up in Manitoba? I mean, you know, we know so much Canadian wrestlers in there, but what's the city like? What's everything like over there? So the city, like, here's the thing. If you're a wrestler, the city sucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're a town of about eight hundred thousand people. So like we're we're not small, but we're not big. And the closest major city to us is Minneapolis, which is seven and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. And like the closest other city to us, like bigger city, is Regina, Saskatchewan, which is six hours away. So we're cut off from everything. So anybody that gets out of Winnipeg, you gotta be you gotta be a hell of a talent to get out of Winnipeg. But growing up here, man, like all the story, this like the stereotypes that you hear is that it's freezing cold, it's minus forty. Mm-hmm. We're in the tundra. It's this true. That's how we. That's how it is here. The stereotypes are true, but at the same time. There's there's a, a very unique sense of community here because we are so cut off from everybody else. You know, it's kind of, we're kind of in the middle of nowhere and a lot of people understand that. So when, when somebody mm-hmm. makes it out of Winnipeg, regardless if it's wrestling or, or, you know, there's a lot of NHL players from here. There's, there's been major league baseball player from here, uh, you know, rock stars, Neil Young came from here, Neil Young grew up here for a bit. So anytime there's anybody attached to Winnipeg, everybody's so happy and so proud for them that's awesome when i was younger i had some friends still friends today they grew up from this little town voluntown in connecticut and uh, they would always make fun of each other joking about each other from voluntown because it was just a, you know it was just kind of like that place and <laughs> i remember if other people made fun of them for that they all like kind of joined together like no no that's a thing we yeah, do. and i was like yeah. yeah it's only us that you can make fun of, <laughs> fun of yeah. yeah you're a radio host yeah. new country 104.7 how did you end up doing that so i started a podcast i have a uh a friend who's a filmmaker and he had a bunch of recording equipment and he thought I had a bunch of great stories. So he said, man, like just sit down, do a podcast, see if, you know, see if you like it, try it out. That was 2015. I did it for a few years. I ended up getting an offer from a national television network to host a podcast for them because they were kind of branched off into like online stuff. They have a streaming service and a music platform. So I went on their music platform and, and did music 
for two seasons, which ended up being like 24, 25 episodes. And then from that, I got a call from a radio station that is province-wide. So like if you're in Manitoba, Manitoba geographically is an enormous place. Like I can't, like you could probably fit, fit like four New Englands in Manitoba. It's 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 a very big place. Like you hear the stories of like Edge and Christian talking about going on the death tours and driving for 24 yeah. hours. It's true. Like it takes you a long time to get across Manitoba. So I got hired by that station so they have transmitters from the u.s border all the way up to churchill manitoba which is at the very top where like the polar bears are and shit so like once you get up there you only got like a few forms of entertainment so i ended up doing afternoons on that station for probably about two years and then the same company owns just a, a like a winnipeg exclusive station which is like kind of like more of a mainstream country music station and i do the morning show on there currently i'm off right now I, i've got other projects going on so i've I've taken a few months off, but you, regularly I'm I'm up at like 4 a.m. doing the show at yeah. six, six till ten, and then that's pretty much my whole day. Okay, so like with the radio, so you're taking time off. So I was going to ask you, is that a vehicle you can use to help promote your wrestling too, or is it just kind of most? They're kept kind of separate. No, I keep them. I keep them separate uh, every so often. Like I'll, I'll mention, you know, I think it's pretty well known that. If you if you listen to a radio station long enough, you kind of develop a, a like a relationship or understand where where people come from. So I've mentioned that I that I was a wrestler for a long time, but no, I never like I never bring it up daily. It's not something that I bring up regularly. It's just it's something that I mention every so often. Producer of the show, Joe, he wanted me to ask you this question about broadcasting advice. And so as I think about that, like one thing that pops in my head is I think it's so easy, and I wanted your thought on it sometimes too to rely on things you do as like a crutch, like you know for a topic when you're interviewing people it's like well i used to do this or i do this and it's it's like sometimes it's fun you know you, you you're connecting with somebody but sometimes it's like man we got reoccurring listeners and how often do they want to hear me spiel this same story you know and so it's like yeah. you ever feel like that like you know like you don't want to lean into something or is there yeah you know? the very early on when i was doing podcasts because like my own podcast i did like 150 episodes and they were all interviews so it was a like a big learning curve on understanding that an interview has nothing to do with me i'm just the person kind of steering the ship um, mm -hmm. if i have something applicable to add i would but it's all about learning like if i catch something interesting or important that somebody has said during their answer i hook on that and i wait for them to finish and then I go I follow up with, with something like that but as far as the only time that I would bring up like wrestling is if I was interviewing a wrestler and we mm -hmm. had something in common or we had you know we had wrestled each other maybe but as far as like the actual like continuously bringing up myself I, I try and steer away from that and it's not because it's wrong it's just mm -hmm. that people people listen to me every day right so that when, when somebody else new comes on like I got to give them everything the new person has in a span of like three to five minutes so i, I just gotta like put the seat out there and get the hell out of the way and right. like get, get their stuff you know get in what they need to get in yeah you know, and this actually kind of takes the next question too because i saw like you uh in one of your matches i know lance storm was like a referee and stuff like that and i'm sure there's right. been other where for me personally, it's kind of funny, you know, <laughs> we interviewed like Ross and Marshall Von Eric. Well, I grew up on Texas wrestling. And so I'm kind of like in my head, I'm like, I'm a fan now because I'm like, I'm interviewing, even though it's their kids. It's like, oh, this takes me back. You have those moments, like obviously there's a Lance Storm in the ring or other times too, where you're just like, holy shit, what am I doing? I'm here, you know, yeah, like there's yeah. like moments in your career where you're like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah, there's a, there's been a few of those. One time, I a few times actually, but the first time I wrestled Bushwhacker Luke, mm. and when like I heard the Bushwhacker music come on, and I saw yeah. him like doing doing this on the way to the ring, I got like I got goosebumps, and I'm getting them right now as I'm talking because like I like I've I've done some pretty cool shit, but like 
when it comes to like bringing me in as a fan, that's the kind of stuff that hooked me. Like Lance Storm was cool, but like yeah. I didn't wrestle him. But like when I got in there with Bushwhacker Luke, or I got in there with like the New Age Outlaws or Demolition, you know, that's mm. the stuff that's like, dude, like this is really cool. And there's this like weird, there's this weird culture in wrestling where like you're not supposed to mark out for yourself. Mm-hmm. But like that's just cool, man. Like once yeah. you get to tell your kids you get to wrestle like your favorite wrestlers, like there's nothing better than that. Yeah, and it's a certain level of success that's not defined by money, I think, right? Like, I mean, you're getting to interact and perform as a peer with these people you grew up watching and who entertained you. And they were like, you know, a hero like, you know, growing up. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And I remember, you know, hanging out in like kindergarten grade one and like walking around the, the playground doing this and shit. And then, you know, whatever it was 20 years later, I'm in there and I'm, I'm wrestling. I'm, I wrestled them a few times on a, on a, actually a Northern Manitoba tour where we were going like way up north. I did a, a few matches with them and like just to hang out with them and hear stories about like the sheep herders and the bushwhackers yeah. and what it's like to wrestle in New Zealand. It's, it's pretty cool. It's like a, it's a really cool thing to, to look back on. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, sometimes too i think fans you know especially nowadays and this isn't to be critical but i think everybody's just so about the moves and everything that happens in between the ropes but i'm sure you can speak for firsthand experience like uh, a guy like you know bushwhacker luke i mean the knowledge that he just has on probably just how to like interact with the crowd and doing the right things at the right time it must be a huge learning curve that you yeah. Dude, I learned more in two matches with Bushwhacker Luke than I learned in like five years wrestling just guys like me. Like there's there was things he was telling me in there that, you know, there was a there was a point in the match where I was going up to the top and he hit the ropes and I did the the, the nut deal in the corner. I fell on it and he was like telling me as he's selling and I'm selling, like telling me he's like, OK, now get down and do this and come this way. And, and I was like, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I get it. I understand like why I'm supposed to be doing this. And I was really bad for for like this is a little inside baseball, but taking too much time to to do certain things. And like people always say, like slow it down is what you hear in wrestling. Yeah. But sometimes I would slow it down a little too much and kind of like lose the people like very early on in my career because that's part of the learning curve that you have to go around. But he managed to reel me in a few times to the point where like it clicked, like you mentioned. You know, there's there's a wealth of knowledge in the ring with you for 10 minutes take that 10 minutes and, and learn everything you can yeah it's incredible i know i just listened to a podcast with william regal and he was talking about that was the thing like brian danielson did like he would just seek him out afterwards and hang out for like hours and hours. now that's a tremendous opportunity to have something like that for you know the whole day and beyond <laughs> you know but like you said you learned yeah. so much in just <laughs> five ten minutes of what yeah but it gets it's different if somebody's sitting there and like talking to you in the locker room but when you're in front of a crowd and like you can hear the crowd and the mm-hmm. crowd's responding and it's you that they're responding to it like things things set in pretty quickly when you when you understand what's going on yeah that's pretty crazy so you had talked about japan and stuff before you've been to japan then mm. yeah well uh, tell us a bit about japan and then maybe some other places you got to tour oh god so japan was a messy messy story i don't know if you if you did any reading into that but I did not so <laughs> okay I, I got booked for uh big japan pro wrestling right before okay. right before they did their czw relationship part two mm. like they had czw wxw and big japan all together doing but doing tours together so like walter was there tommy end who's malachi black black g's from from ccw they were all there like weeks after me but i was the last person to go before that and i had had some personal problems as you hear of in wrestling 
and I ended up having a little bit of uh, an issue on the plane over uh-huh. where I, you know, I took too many things and, and I got real sick and I ended up in a hospital. So my tour was cut very short. I had one match and I, and I came home because, you know, I'd had a drug overdose is what had happened. So my one tour of Japan, my one big shot, I I walked away half willingly, half unwillingly, and it put a it didn't put a bad taste in my mouth because it was my own choices and I was dealing with a lot in my personal life. But my yeah, like my one big shot in Japan, I kind of fumbled. You know, it's all on me. Nobody else did it, but I, I got to go there and you know live my dream because that was always the number one was to go to Japan and, right. and you know, to try and make myself a living over there like a Steve Carino was doing a few years earlier or, you know, like Hanson and actually a guy I'm friends with now, like now that he's out of the business for a number of years mm-hmm. is Rick Patterson, who is, you know, the leather face from IWA Japan. Oh, he, yeah. lives like, he lives like 10 minutes from me. So, <laughs> you know, we, we talk not even about wrestling, just about like the weather, what's going on in the city, news, things like that. But I wanted to do something like he was doing where just making a living internationally. And I had the shot, but I fumbled it and, you know, nothing ever came up of it, which, you know, sad. But at the same time, it is what it is. You know, it led me to it led me to broadcasting. And now I have, you know, radio show and a TV show and all this other kind of stuff. You said something that I'm curious, you know, just because like you said earlier, somebody says something interesting and grab onto it. For me personally, you know, I see you, you take accountability for your own actions and stuff like that. How important is that to for people in recovery to like, you know, go, okay, this is on me and I need to get better. So in like 2011 is when I went right before, like I mentioned, that whole CTW thing started up again. And I got sober in 2013. So it's been like nine years now, but it took a few years to really understand like what was going on that. Yes, it was like, I knew off the hop, it was my fault, but I didn't understand why. Mm. Cause there was like, there were some things that happened growing up that, you know, were traumatic and I, and I didn't deal with them. And once I got to be an adult and get into real life and I had all this, this trauma that was unresolved, I, you know, I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to do life. Mm. So as I'm, you know, as I'm in, you know, a few years away from it now, I understand that it, yes, it was my fault, but also there was a lot of things that happened alongside of it that I, I wasn't in control of. Yeah. So the accountability thing is, is 100% on me, but also I understand that, you know, it's my fault, but what happened to me was not my fault. I understand what you're saying completely. Yeah. I'll just stay like personally, like I was in a marriage for years and I was not like a, a physically abusive, but I was a yeller. Like when I would argue, I would yell and get yell. And, mm-hmm. I, and it took me, I didn't know that like that was strange. And once I started looking into it and realizing, oh, I grew up in that environment, not to say anything bad about them, they were great people, but they grew up in worse environments. And it's just like breaking that cycle where you yell. I'm like, why did I do that? Like, oh, this this is what I grew up in. This is what I picked up on. And you don't know that shit. Even though at the end of the day, like, that's my fault. I had to discover why that's happening. And I'm sure much like you did. You have to like, why did this happen? Why am right? Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. It's coming from the environment that I came from. You know, there was a lot of things that I didn't get when I was a child or a teenager or, you know, a young adult that, that really fucked me in the end. Sorry for swearing, but I thought you can swear on the show, but go ahead. Uh, yeah. Like when I got to Japan and I, and I'd had that experience, it was like my, I worked, I literally worked from the time I first saw Japanese wrestling, which was on IWA wrestling in Winnipeg. Chris Jericho would bring back his tapes and like they would air one Japanese match every Saturday. And I would watch him like him and Jado and him and Gato and him versus Rey Mysterio from like WAR. And I worked from that time and like whatever it was, 1995 up until 2011 to get my shot i got my shot and then i fumbled it so like to to look back on it now and and understand that 
yes, it's my fault, but there was a whole bigger picture of things right. that I did, I wasn't aware of, really, until I got a little bit older. And mind you, I was 23 years old yeah. when I went to Japan. I was a very young. And I remember being in the locker room, and Men's Teo, who was my tag partner for my yeah. one match over there, looked at me. He's like, I have a son who's 23. He's like, you're, you're too young to be here. Because he spoke a little bit of English. He's like, you're too young. He's like, you, you should be at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should be at home, like, learning and, and doing something. But, you know, this is what it is, man. Yeah, yeah. I heard a martial arts coach say this. Is you try not to look at it like winning and losing. Win or learn, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. That's um, the way I look at it now. Mm-hmm. It's good. And did you travel anywhere else? Any like European, Mexico, anything like that? Or no, no. I I trained. I did the like a few days like tryout with New Japan USA in like 2006. Mm-hmm. The first time they tried to, to get into the U.S. when they had the Anoki Dojo in Los Angeles. I went down there with incredible group group of guys. Like Shinsuke Nakamura was there. Minoru Tanaka, Carl Anderson was there. Like guys from Ring of Honor at the time, like Fast Eddie. If you remember Fast Eddie from early ROH yeah, was there yeah. as well. Hannibal, the Hannibal TV guy. Yeah. So there was a good group of guys that were down there for a few days training. It was kind of like an open gym. They invited like whoever to come down and I, and I ended up driving down because I had some family there. I ended up staying with my family and training there for a few days. So that was a really cool experience. I got to work, you know, around with like Rocky Romero and Durango mm-hmm. Kid who were, who were training there. But as far as like doing any international stuff, I would just do like Northern US Indies, a lot of Canada stuff, like out to British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario, but like most of it was in Manitoba because like I mentioned, I was 23 when I went to Japan, but I was also 23 when I had my first child. So, oh yeah. So there was a lot of conflicted feelings. Like, do I continue pursuing or do I, you know, stay at home and be a dad kind of thing? Yeah, no, I mean, that's the real life of it, right? (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask. So now you, you, had again and there's an interesting group of wrestlers you're working with in the time period did you have wrestlers you hear like what a different environment is like the locker rooms and stuff nowadays in the sense that you know people do generally for the most part seems like work together whereas a lot of the old timers some days obviously you had good interactions but would like sometimes make you you know like pay your dues or earn it or sometimes even take liberties did you a have people try ever try to take liberties with you and b did you have to kind of learn how to handle yourself to a certain degree too yeah i I had my first match when i was 15 so I was very yeah. young. I was in grade grade ten. So what is that in in American? That's like you're a sophomore. Sophomore, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there was a few guys. But like the sad thing is, it was like guys who would never accomplished anything or were never going to accomplish anything that tried to take liberties. But I did get to work with a lot of great guys who had been around the world, like Carrie Brown for one of them, who was who was a stampede wrestling guy, you know, and feuded with like Brett and Davey and Dynamite and all those guys Ooh. in the 80s. He was still around doing shows when when I broke in. And he's, I actually tell this story because it's kind of funny. He threw the lightest punch mm-hmm. that I had ever felt, but he also threw the stiffest kick that I ever felt at the same time too. We were working on a spot outside the ring in the crowd. And he told me beforehand, he's like, Hey, when we're out in the crowd and the people, like I'm going to work a little tighter because you know, there's no daylight out there, you know, in the ring, you can kind of hide it, but he wound up and he kicked me so hard. He left like boot laces mm-hmm. across my chest I, like, <laughs> down. Cause I, I was like wearing a shirt during this spot because we were on the outside and I pulled my shirt off and I had boot laces up here. But also at the same time, like we did a, we did something else like a few months earlier and he threw this like incredible working punch. And I wasn't even sure if I should sell it or register it. Cause I wasn't sure if it hit me, <laughs> but like guys like that, I got to work with Kerry yeah. Brown, who is a, legend i got to work with eddie watts who is a guy who worked puerto rico a guy who worked japan with 
Rick Patterson and IWA Japan and Wing and did a lot of stuff in Puerto Rico. I remember working uh, like a northern Manitoba town with him like two weeks after he had worked Triple Mania in Mexico. And he was just telling me about like working with La Parca at Triple Mania. And I'm like, dude, we're like four hours north of Winnipeg now. Like, what? why are you here? Why aren't you making money down there? But I got to work with a lot of great guys, a lot yeah. of great veterans. And then like nowadays, as weird, weird as it is, like, because it's been 20 years since my first match, I'm 34. You know what I mean? It's... Like, I, I guess I'm the veteran, but at the same time, I'm the same age as a lot of guys who are, you know, five, six, seven years in. So it's it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. Why did you ultimately walk away for the first time? Was it because you were a dad? Was it other stuff too? Are there opportunities coming up? Is it just a combination of things? Yeah, it was, it was just not having fun anymore. They, I, I was, you always read wrestling biographies and and hear shoot interviews that when when you somebody told me that Terry Funk said when you lose the feeling when you're standing behind the curtain and your music is on and you feel like you have to piss because you got the nervous piss and you lose that piss feeling, mm-hmm. it's time to walk away. And I had lost that that nervous piss feeling <laughs> that, that I had heard about. So when that went away, I was just like nothing left. You know, I I wrestled my heroes and went to Japan. I you know I never made any money, but you know, I had fun. I got to yeah. do what I wanted to do. And you're back now. Did you feel like ultimately too, maybe you needed just to do something different, recharge the batteries and maybe, you know? It was kind of like a coincidence thing. I had a friend of mine who is starting a new company here in Winnipeg and we just got to talk and I was like, dude, if you ever need me or whatever, I would happy to help out. And then that turned into further conversation. And now like, you know, I'm, I'm fully on the card and, you know, possibly in a very important matchup on the card against the guy that I got in the ring with for the very first time, like 21 years ago, Robbie Royce, who beats mm. Steve Marino for the NWA North American title. Now we're going to be wrestling in six weeks from now or whatever it is nice. from today. So, you know, coming back, I had my first match this Thursday and I'm nervous. I'm, I'm still very overweight compared to what I used to be, but you know, I left the business and, and I put on some weight, but I've dropped like 30 pounds. I'm hopeful that I won't blow up and die in the middle of the ring. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. Yeah. Now, that's what I was kind of actually I was kind of thinking, too. You know, I mean, I know just as being 45, being an adult and not doing not even doing wrestling, but just doing day to day things like going, OK, I need to stretch a little more if I'm going to do this or I got to do that. I would imagine your routine in your head getting back into this is you're like, OK, I need to do this this right like it's probably you probably have a different mindset i'd imagine i have a i have a lot of ointment ready <laughs> to say that i have a lot of ointment ready i you know i i popped my shoulder out wrestling in like 2014 which is one of the last little swings i did through uh you know doing a tour i broke my back i Dude. totally skipped over that i don't know why i didn't bring that up. <laughs> I took a backdrop actually in uh, we were talking before we started recording at like this this big ballroom venue that I was working at in like Williston, North Dakota. And I just took a backdrop and I felt something pop in my back and I couldn't move my legs for a minute. And I thought something was wrong. And then that was pretty much it. I was going to ask you about injuries too. So that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was, that was one of them, yeah. but I ended up healing pretty well. And you know, I'm a little worried about that, but it, it wasn't like a severe break. It was like a little tiny fracture that, you know, doctors kept an eye on. So coming back, yeah, I have a lot of ointment ready. I'm a little bit worried. I'm going to be doing a lot of stretching. I do yoga every day. So I'm hoping yeah. that helps. I like regular yoga, not, not, not DDP yoga. So I'm hoping that helps a little bit. 
And I'm just, I'm just hoping I don't, I'm, I, that I don't embarrass myself on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, with, uh, we used to, we interview some comedians and stuff sometimes. It always talks about going out, like, kind of getting their chops ready. You know, like you hear yeah. like, comedians say that right before they go, like, and do a big special. They'll go out to like their, you know, their clubs. Like, you got to get your legs underneath you. I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And like, the crazy part is that I haven't disclosed this to anybody yet, but I haven't been in a ring to train yet. Okay. So the first time I get into a ring to take a bump is going to be during the match. Mm. So it's going to be a little bit maybe worrisome once yeah. I get in there and I take the first bump. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hey, sometimes you just go on the fly and then you see how you know how it's gonna be. <laughs> I'm hoping so. There's some great guys on the card, like really popular independent names. So I'm hoping that like I don't stink to join out. So <laughs> we'll see. You, uh, any of these shows you got coming up? Are they gonna be available anywhere like uh you know um, IWTV? anything i think i think this one on thursday will be iwtv but i don't think it's live i think it'll be it'll it'll be up like following the event so it's a it's called time bomb pro it's in fargo north dakota which is in the upper midwest obviously so you know not a whole lot of wrestling going on out there but the stuff they do have is good and it's real good so i'm hoping that i can add to that on thursday but the later shows i believe will be up somewhere sometime 3d pro wrestling in winnipeg here which is having their debut event on may 26th it'll be uh up somewhere i don't know where yet i don't know how i can't really announce it yet but it will be somewhere for anyone listening to this interview this will be this will be out in audio too we'll put some links out and stuff too and yeah absolutely absolutely so, is there anything else you got coming up up? Did you want to promote wrestling or anything? Like I got this TV thing going. I'm hosting a television program for a national TV network up in here, up here in Canada, called the Aboriginal People's Television Network. I'm half Native American, is what you would call it in the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I host a TV show about Indigenous language. Mm-hmm. It'll be airing later on this year. I got a nine episode first season, and hopefully, if that goes well, we'll be right back for round two. I, I know this interests me. I'm sorry, so I was curious. You said you're. We would call it in the States like half Native American. What, what would you say? I'm just curious. First Nations. That's first what we call it in Canada. So okay. Like the, 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 the tribes that were here were the first countries per se, and each had their own like territory of living. So the First Nations just means the first countries, the first people, the first the first inhabitants. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah I, 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 me personally, I find this stuff interesting. The older I get to like learn, I, I don't know about you, but as I get, I find myself far more, I was always a pretty like accepting person, but I, I'm more like, I want to know more about other stuff now. Like I'm right. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I find that. I find that stuff too. I find that stuff too. As I get older, I'm, I'm wanting to learn more about other people and, and you know, where they live, how they live. Like I got a lot of friends out on the East coast in new England that, I, you know, that I talk to on a daily basis. So I'm always learning about like Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and like what's going on and what's the rich parts and what's the poor parts. And yeah. there's so many schools out there. It seems like new England is like has a, a university every 10 minutes. Oh yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm always learning, man. I'm always trying to learn. Absolutely. That's life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stefan, I wish you luck, you know, in these next few weeks. Uh, definitely Thursday. Like I said, we're recording this on a Tuesday if anyone did this. And definitely Thursday. I'm wishing you big luck. That's your first time, obviously, back in a while. I hope the whole thing goes well, man. You're a great guy. And maybe, you know, maybe after, you know, I don't know how long, how many matches you got set up right now, but maybe when you get a little break in, we can kind of talk and just see how everything's going, man. Absolutely. It's my first match in, in four years, but before that, there was a three-year break, so technically, this is like my first in seven years. I'm very nervous, but we're going to have a good time, and hopefully, I'll be in good enough shape to come back on the show. Absolutely. Hey, and that's, uh, 
You want that nervous energy at least too. So that's a good yeah. thing. Seven, thank you so much for uh, doing this episode. And uh, oh, actually, yeah. Is there one other thing you want to do? I'm so sorry. Uh, social media, anything you want to tell people where they can find you? Let them know. Instagram is a good place. It's usually where I'm hanging out. Stefan, S-T-E-F-A-N-X, Richard, R-I-C-H-A-R-D. You can hit me up. I post a lot of stuff about radio, TV, you know, my personal stuff. And then uh, especially wrestling as well now that things are picking back up. So follow me over there. I got a pro wrestling tea store attached on the on the little link in the bio. So hit me up. All right. Thank you, man. And thank you, fans, for tuning in. Appreciate you. All right. So that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans wrestling underscore pod and then as always please continue to listen to us on anchor.fm google podcast spotify breaker overcast pocket cast radio public all your major platforms if you're following us on apple podcast which we are also on now and youtube please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating it helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you